another episode of Radio Rounds, the podcast interview series presented by St. Louis Children's Hospital, covering pediatric topics of interest to doctors and healthcare professionals. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Our topic today is early detection and treatment of progressive myopia. And my guest today is Dr. Mark Rollo. He's a Washington University pediatric optometrist at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Dr. Rollo, explain a little bit about progressive myopia. What is it? So let me explain, first of all, what myopia is. It's also known as nearsightedness uh, for the lay folks. But uh, myopia is a condition in which an individual has difficulty seeing at distance. So they may have trouble seeing a board at school, reading street signs, that type of thing. Progressive myopia is a a little bit of a, a, a different animal in that it's an excessive amount of nearsightedness. So typically what causes nearsightedness is either the length of the eye is uh, excessive or the curvature of the cornea is excessive. And so light focuses somewhere in front of the retina instead of directly on the retina. So again, progressive myopia is just an extreme case of myopia or nearsightedness. And uh, so that's really what we're, we're focusing on at this time. When does it become apparent? What's the clinical presentation of progressive myopia? Sure. So... I would say most cases, it's early childhood, maybe in that 8 to 10-year range, although some people develop it as teenagers, and there are even adults that sometimes uh, don't develop it until maybe their 20s. But typically, it's going to happen in that first, uh, I would say the latter part of the first decade of life or the early part of the second decade of life. And one of the common things that parents can uh, detect early on is that their child may have difficulty seeing. So they may get closer to the TV than normal, or teachers may be aware in the classroom setting that a child seems to be having difficulty seeing uh, the board. And one of the surest signs that there may be an issue is the child may squint in order to see clearly. Is this a genetic condition, doctor? Genetics can play a role, although the more we learn about myopia, and particularly progressive myopia, we're starting to realize that environmental factors are probably more of a factor than we initially thought. Uh, In terms of genetics, um, when we look at families uh, who have children who are diagnosed with myopia, uh, one of the things that I will ask is, do either the parents wear glasses or contact lenses? And if so, are they also myopic? Uh, And statistics show that if one of the two parents is myopic, each of their children has about a 15% chance of developing myopia as well. That number uh, jumps to almost 44% if both parents are myopic. So, so we definitely know there's a genetic link, but I think, as I said earlier, we're now realizing there are environmental factors that can also play a role. Tell us about the goal of treatment, and are there some complications if it's left untreated? Sure. So for regular myopia, it's, you know, typically eyeglasses, contact lenses, and of course, nowadays we have to talk about refractive surgery, things like LASIK. And of course, with any type of surgery, there are going to be risk complications associated with it. Uh, In terms of contact lenses, you can have infections as a result of contact lens wear, particularly if they're abused, uh, or there can be ocular irritation associated, particularly if there's an underlying dry eye issue. Um, And so certainly there are risks associated with those activities. Now, With progressive myopia, there have actually been a couple of studies previously. One was called the ADAMS study, uh, and currently we actually are getting just about ready to get involved with what's called the CHAMP study, and uh, we're very excited to be a part of this. It stands for Children Using Atropine 
for reduction of myopia progression. And one of the things that we're going to be utilizing is low-dose atropine uh, that will be put in the child's eye over a period of time. And this has been shown in previous studies to slow the progression down. Um, early on, when this uh, Adam study was being uh, done, one of the issues was the dosing of atropine was causing blurred vision, uh, and it was also causing other potential issues such as uh, tachycardia or increased uh, heart rate. There are behavioral changes that can sometimes be associated with this, facial flushing, and so forth. So there can be some issues with atropine as well. One of the nice things is with the latest study, the CHAMP study, is we're going to be using very low-dose atropine. So the effects of, say, light sensitivity or blurred vision uh, is going to be minimized, as well some of those other potential side effects I just mentioned. So then, okay, so you've mentioned the atropine and and so that the medicational intervention. What other modalities, and have they been FDA approved to slow the progression? Because there's a little bit of, what, controversy going on with the treatments and whether or not they're effective to slow this progression. Am I correct with this? You are correct. So uh, there are certainly uh, physicians who are concerned about how effective is the use of atropine in in decreasing the rate at which myopia progresses. Um, I think some of these same doctors are wanting to know, okay, there's no long-term data, so what do we really know about this treatment? It is an off-label use, as you mentioned. Um, The other thing that I I would bring up at this point is that uh, there are alternative therapies that have been tried in the past, and some have had some benefit for these individuals with progressive myopia, including the use of bifocals, uh, multifocal contact lenses. There is a treatment called orthokeratology, which utilizes rigid gas permeable contact lenses during uh, overnight uh, treatment. Uh, And more recently, and as I said earlier, there uh, are certainly flags that are uh, starting to come up with regard to environmental factors. And so one of the things that uh, is is really being talked about is exposure to outdoor lighting, Uh, the fact that kids aren't outdoors as much. This could be a factor in this as well. Uh, And even more recently than that, people are even bringing up uh, what is the effect of of processed foods and the intake of these foods. So there is a a lot of discussion. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have an absolute answer at this point, but uh, I, I think certainly we're on the right track. When do you think it's important that a pediatrician refer to a specialist such as yourself? So I, I think one of the nice things is the pediatricians are doing these early screenings on children. Um, they're, they have devices that are now available, including uh, things like plus optics. And so uh, they're able to detect if a child has you know, significant degrees of refractive error, such as nearsightedness or farsightedness or even astigmatism. And so it's very nice because there's a criteria for referral, and so they know pretty much right away after this test is done whether a child needs to be seen. Now, of course, screenings are just that. They're not perfect, so we're happy to see these children if there's a failed screening, and uh, again, with most things, the earlier the intervention, the better. So what would you like other providers to know about progressive myopia, and not only when it's important to refer, but what they can expect from a referring physician from the ophthalmology team at St. Louis Children's Hospital? Sure. So the first thing, we're obviously going to 
do a comprehensive eye exam, including dilation, on a child who has uh, myopia. Um, and one of the things that we're going to be keying on is the health of the retina. So as I mentioned very early on, uh, myopia, and particularly progressive myopia, there is uh, an excessive lengthening of the eye. And the concern we have is that this can actually cause some stretching and ultimately some thinning of the retina. So this puts these individuals who are highly myopic at risk for retinal detachment. Uh, they can also uh, develop a form of macular degeneration called myopic macular degeneration. Uh, and in fact, they can also be at a high risk of developing things like cataracts and glaucoma. So we put these children through you know, extensive testing and uh, certainly we follow them up on a regular basis, uh, at least annually. And in some cases, we may even see some of these kids every six months, depending on just how fast the progression of myopia is occurring. And as I said, we haven't actually started uh, our uh, inclusion in the study as of yet, but once we do, we will certainly offer parents the option of uh, low-dose atropine to see if we can't maybe slow that progression down and maybe help prevent some of these potential long-term complications. Thank you so much for joining us and explaining it and sharing your expertise. It's really great information, doctor. Thank you again. And Dr. Rallo will be presenting progressive myopia in more detail during the October 26th and 27th Fall Clinical Pediatric Update for CME Credits. To register or to refer a patient, call Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.